And I'm joined, as always, alongside Luke Burroughs and Nick Robertson. Nick Robinson, sorry, not the Leafs player. It's not <laughs> my name. Just not my name. <laughs> Gentlemen, We're how are we doing? Great start. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are we doing? Great. Uh, I was doing good until you got my <laughs> name wrong. I it's was his talk- birthday today. That's probably why yeah, Patrick's thinking We were talking about him. about him earlier. I'm a big fan. Uh, if you guys couldn't tell. Who isn't, and, really? Yeah, really. Before, we have a lot to cover in today's show. A uh, fun uh, armchair GM segment. Before we get to that, though, please remember to download both the Barnburner and Zingo TV app available on both iOS and Android devices. Zingo TV and also available on Chromecast, Amazon Fire and Fire TV sticks, Roku and Roku sticks. Um, on all smart TVs, 2016 and forward. Nick, I'm really, I apologize for that intro. Um, we were talking about him earlier, so I got a little excited. Anyway, before we get to our fun segment, we have the armchair GM. Let's just quickly dive into last night's game. Obviously, Dallas and Vegas. Dallas coming out on top, just 30 seconds in to overtime. Alexander Radulov sniping that shot. Unbelievable goal from him. Um, final score was 3-2. Uh, Nick, your initial thoughts on last night's game. Yeah, well, obviously, big win for Dallas now uh, up in the series. It's it's a good step for them. Obviously, uh, I think we all sort of predicted. I think sort of maybe the experts were predicting Vegas was probably going to take control that series maybe after the dominant game two performance that they had. But good on Dallas to fight back. And Alexander Radulov, like you said, big goal. And he's been a decent playoff performer at times in the past. And I think he's been one of the better Dallas forwards, at least in my opinion this playoffs at least of the big three between him Sagan and Ben he's probably been the most effective and uh it's a big goal for him big goal for the stars and definitely takes another twist in that series Luke real quick your thoughts on uh last night's game didn't really watch it uh if I'm being honest I caught like a bit a tiny bit of overtime but I watched the recap today could have been I I think uh, well I think in general Dallas is kind of um, they've proved me wrong and kind of showed that this is not Vegas's series, yep. which I totally thought it was coming into it. Um, like I'm assuming most Vegas series, the team that they are, but it's it's going to be really interesting. I bet it goes at least six, probably seven. Uh, it's going to be a really good series. I think it's going to be similar to the uh, the Dallas Colorado series for sure. Yeah, and weirdly enough, almost a, I don't want to say a battle of goaltenders, but both Leonard and Hudobin were playing excellent hockey. I'm not sure many people anticipated those being the two goalies who played strong. You mentioned the big three, Nick. Tyler Sega, only two goals, six assists, eight points in 18 games. Uh, not great for him, but nonetheless, if you're Dallas, um, you're just happy with the win. Um, let's move on to uh, your team, uh, Luke. Tyler Toffoli, uh, in a recent interview, said that he wants to stay in Vancouver. Um, that much is confirmed. What do you think of this? Well, um, do you think his ask is going to be higher? Because as we all know, he is a free agent at the end. And that was a big trade, uh, quite a bit of a loss in terms of future prospects for the Vancouver Canucks. Do you think they're going to want to sign him long-term given how much they, they gave up for him? Well, it's, it's, I was thinking about this today when I saw that come out. Because first of all, like you, you're much more likely to see someone say that than the opposite, unless something has has clearly happened. Uh, yeah, like Toffoli, he's probably going to, he's probably his first reaction when he starts talking about um, off-season dis- discussions, most players will say, yeah, like I'd, ideally I'd like to stay. Um, but he said he wants to stay. Benning has, like we said yesterday, Benning's made a lot of comments about, he's basically said about every every person, every player that's going to be involved in this off season's decisions. He said, yeah, I think we'd like to keep them around. So I don't, I don't really know. Like I'm taking it with a pretty grain big of salt, grain of yeah. salt from both sides, from both, uh, you know, to side and 
Benning's side. I like Toffoli's a great player. I I I like him, but um, but I think considering the other players involved in in this offseason and the next offseason, he's pretty low down on on my That's list fair. of priorities. I just I I think he is what he is, and there's there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of places to go with him compared to maybe Brock Besser. So. Right. And Nick, I'll get your in. thoughts real quick. I'm just going to have a quote in one, this second. one in quickly. Um, the um, quote just to self was, I want to talk to Jim and see where he's at and where the team's at, because that's priority number one right now. I want to stay in Vancouver. Just yeah, to throw that see, quote in there. That's so base level. Like I, yeah. that really doesn't mean much to me. Nick, yeah, I'll just, just throw it in quickly. Evolving wild who I'm going to reference a lot in this episode, the uh, analytics site, they're projecting uh, to fully contract in about five years uh, north of 7 million. So I'm not sure if that maybe is realistic for Vancouver at all. Obviously there's going to have to be a lot of movement if they're going to make something like that sort of deal work probably makes it a bit uneasier of a reality to swallow for Vancouver fans, because that, that's a pretty expensive deal to give to a forward like that on the open market. But I guess we'll see where it goes. All right. Just wanted to throw that one in there real quick, because that was still relatively a a newer uh, quote that came from Vancouver uh, real quick. One last thing before we do get to our armchair uh, GA, GM segment, the LA Kings have signed Sean Walker uh, to a four year, $2.6 million deal on average. Um, again, I didn't know much about Sean Walker undrafted out of the NCAA um, playing on the Kings right side, obviously defense is a need for the LA Kings and looking at their cat friendly. They only have, two defensemen with, except for Drew Doughty they have Michael Anderson and Curtis McDermott uh, signed past 2021 everyone else is a UFA or an RFA at the end of this year so um, that's obviously a need and I know there's a lot of rumors that LA could be looking at someone like Jamie Drysdale even at the second spot so we'll see what that means for LA but um, your initial thoughts on this signing Nick yeah he's sort of an underrated uh, he's a decent defenseman I think the analytics community has probably grown to like him a bit more than the casual hockey fan uh, again, Evolving Wild projected him at four years north of $3 million, So they were actually pretty close on this one. Uh, but, you know, if he is worth around that $3 million and they do their homework when they're sort of projecting these contracts, if he's worth that much and they're getting him for under it, then it looks like that's a pretty good deal for the Los Angeles Kings. If he can be a solid 4-5 guy for them down the road, even more than that probably, he's still got room to grow. He's only played, what, one year and a half in the NHL? We'll see where it goes, but it, on the surface, it looks like a good deal for the Kings. Yeah. And I mean, for a four or five guy, five goals, 19 assists, 24 points. That's pretty solid. Only 25 years old. Luke, your thoughts. I don't have a whole lot to say uh, about Sean Walker. If I'm being honest, I just based on, you know, like a quick DB search and then looking at the term and the the money, it looks like a, it looks like a good decision. And I think what Nick said um, about, you know, if this is, if he's kind of, shown this in his first year or two in the league it's a it's a pretty safe bet that he's going to move upwards and i the, the kings i think i think all across the board they're kind of in in a position where they're going to be making making decisions like that so i i don't really have an opinion on it but it makes sense yep that's fair i know that jewels from the crown la's uh, SB Nation for the Kings. They have him at 13 in their top 25, under 25. So that's pretty solid. Um, we're going to move on now. I'm actually going to hand everything over to Nick as he has a segment prepared, the armchair GM that we've been hyping up since yesterday. Uh, Nick, we'll uh, give this to you. Yeah, finally, I'm running this uh, run this <laughs> joint. It's usually up to you guys to run all the segments, stuff like that. But uh, 
you know, I get off or something other than just analysis. Now I actually uh, did a little bit of homework yesterday and looked at uh, seven NHL teams that are closer to the salary cap limit and perhaps some of the decisions that they're going to have to face this off season. I got some inspiration from these off of team writers or just like a quick glance myself at their cap friendly situations. And obviously with the COVID-19 pandemic impacting the growth of the NHL salary cap this year and for many years to come, probably it poses an interesting question to a lot of teams, especially some of the contenders, what they're going to have to do or what the next move for them is going to be now in the, with a, sorry, with the flat cap staying at 81 and a half million. So I've got some teams lined up if you guys are ready. I'm so ready to go. All right. I will start with the Arizona Coyotes. So uh, again, a team that would not have made the playoffs had it not been for the play-in qualifiers and them defeating the Nashville Predators in the first round. They are right up against the salary cap limit, believe it or not. They have a lot of aging players, I think we can all agree, that are on some pretty iffy deals and it looks like in order to maybe either try to keep somebody like Taylor Hall, a good superstar like him, former Hart Trophy winner, they're going to have to move money out. Regardless, a team like that is going to have to move money out just because of their ownership. So I'm going to ask you guys a question, which players would you look at moving? I noted here, Derek Stepan, Phil Kessel. Derek Stepan's on one more year, six and a half million as a centerman and Phil Kessel who has been, this is now his fourth team in the NHL, two more years left at 6.8 million. I'll, I'll pose to you, which one would you move? What direction are you taking the Coyotes in this offseason, Patrick? I feel like I would keep Derek step on. And if there's one person I think who still has a bit, well, this is tough and GMing is tough. I'm going to say, but if, if you can sort of find a team who would pay a little bit, maybe in picks, cause we all know Arizona has almost no picks, uh, for Derek Stepan, definitely move that. But Phil Kessel, I definitely think would be a great uh, deadline piece next year, only making 6.8. You could definitely retain half, maybe even more than half. If you're a team giving him up, probably for a desperate team uh, who wants some help scoring wise, he still had a decent season. I know he's only 32, uh, 14 goals, you know, a couple years ago, he had 27, 34. I still think he can still put up offense, but if I were to pick between the two, I'd definitely look to move Stepan first and then um, Kessel later on, probably at the deadline. Luke? Uh, I would say the opposite, actually. I think what, what, well, two things kind of surprised me with this because I had, like you said, Nick, I was pretty shocked to look at the uh, Arizona's uh, cap friendly page. I was, I didn't realize that's the situation they were in, which just, you know, I, I would hate to be an Arizona fan right now for so many reasons. Well, it looks um, like John Chica got out at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good on him, I guess. Um, I, I would keep Kessel. I like, they're both. And I kind of see this in, um, well, I'll, I'll leave that to you, Nick, but they're, they're both good options. I think um, none of them, you know, you're, it's not like you're hanging on to one of them for, for a long time out from here. But I think like a thing you have to remember is like Phil Kessel is still, I think he's still Phil Kessel. Um, aside from one bad year, he's he he was one of the best players in the league in in terms of point production. Um, and I think Arizona needs a lot of things, clearly. Uh, but I I think make moving one of them for sure makes sense. There's like if you when you pose a question like this, it doesn't you wouldn't really say you know what I think. Hang on to both of them, but I I would move Kessel. 
Um, he hasn't thrived, but I think if anyone's going to help longer term, someone like Kessel has way more potential. Pat makes a good point about um, trying to, you know, recover some draft picks after, uh, you know, especially the the past few months. But personally, I would hold on to Kessel. Um, but I, I think they might have some other more pressing issues than than making a decision like that. Yeah, that's the interesting part with this because I, I would say either is not on an ideal contract right now. Yeah. So it but makes them similar. both sort of difficult to move, but they're in a similar spot. That's why I picked them. Similar salaries, and they probably contribute in a similar way. Now, Kessel probably with a bit more upside uh, in what he can contribute on a better team right now. And I'm sure some of our Toronto fans remember his days, uh, some of the Toronto listeners that we have listening to the show. But you know, somebody like Phil Kessel probably has a bit more trade value. Do you guys agree with that? I would agree. It's an awkward yeah. situation looking at Arizona down the middle. I mean, luckily, I guess luckily you have Barrett Hayton, who's an RFA, uh, who isn't an RFA until 2022. But looking down the middle, Stepan Schmaltz, Christian Dvorak, who plays center and left wing, these are fine hockey players. They're all making from four to six million, which I don't want to say they're a tweener team. They're just an awkwardly built team. That really isn't that good with the exception of, of Clayton Keller and then hopefully uh, Barrett Hayden. So I think, you know, when rebuilding a team, you probably want to look down the middle and figure out who you're going to set as the top three down the middle. Um, it's interesting for sure. On defense, it's not that much better. Oliver ekman Larson, I think, is someone who's definitely uh, overrated, especially defensively. Um, his defensive numbers aren't that solid. I think he's definitely someone who's carried by his name. Um, but it's, it's an awkward situation. It's sort of a, it, it's difficult to sort of evaluate this team because there are parts of them that you think could be good, but on paper, it's just a little awkward. Well, I think there's a lot so. that's out of their control too. It's going to be yeah. an interesting. At least every season we've had this show, like I've come on here and probably said that I think the Arizona Coyotes are going to take a big step forward. But I think now looking at it, I think it's safe to say that this group that they have right now, and we are all looking at their cap friendly, let's probably isn't going to cut it in terms of making the playoffs or ever contending if they even can make the playoffs with this core group right now, because so, so, so competitive in that Western conference. So interesting times ahead for the Arizona coyotes. Uh, I will jump ship now to the Eastern conference in the Atlantic division with the Boston Bruins, another team that, you know, very, very successful regular season coach Bruce Cassidy was just handed the Jack Adams award recognized as the best coach in the NHL this year. Everybody knows about Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and David Posternock, the perfection line, as they have been dubbed. They've got a good roster. They've been good for so long. And once again, I'll shout out the Toronto fans, probably curse the name of the Boston Bruins each and every playoff season. But they are going to have some interesting questions to ask of themselves this offseason as well, because one of the core members of that group, Tori Krug, who has been around since 2013, is looking at unrestricted free agency for the first time in his career versus, you know, I, Jake DeBrusque, a younger RFA has only played a couple of years in the NHL. He was a higher first round draft pick, a player that they really like, I think really fits the mold of that team, but it sort of looks like as we come up now with a flat $81.5 million salary cap that they're only going to be able to keep one. So I will throw the floor over to Luke first. Would you re-sign Tory Krug or move Jake DeBrusque? 
I should say uh, to start this, I did have some external influence from my roommate on this because my initial reaction was keep Kruger around um, be, because I think, well, I think on both offense and defense, Boston is going to run into some problems in the next few years. They probably, I think they have a bit of time, um, but like, I think if anyone needs to kind of be looking, like we said yesterday in that, I'd maybe say three to five year window, they should I, I would say let Krug walk. Um, they're going to need help, like I said, on both ends. But I would say keeping keeping DeBrusque around. Uh, Nick, what you just said about DeBrusque uh, fitting Boston's mold really well, I I re- strongly agree with that. I think I think DeBrusque is a really good player just for the kind of team Boston is, and um, I, I I it's it's almost unexplainable, but I feel like a, a lot of people would kind of agree with that. Just the the kind of presence he brings and another thing that I kind of realized today comparing these two Boston's defense is is actually not half bad when you when you look at near future and long term um I think Zidane Ochara is extremely overrated I think he's old and he's slow well he looks like he's on his way out as well well and I I wouldn't be too concerned about that I think um Chara leaving, obviously, like Chara for what he means to the team is going to be um, is going to be a big difference. But in terms of actual on ice presence, I don't think losing Chara is going to be that critical. Um, that being said, I am arguing to let Krug walk. But again, like I mean, I guess that's why you're posing these questions. It could go either way. But personally, I would I would keep DeBrusque. Um, Krug is a good player. He's he's proven what he can, what he can and does bring to Boston over the past seven, whatever years. Um, but I, I just think they have, they have maybe more applicable issues to, to fix before you, you deal with Krug and the defense. Patrick, unless you are confident that there are enough that this core can still win multiple cups coming forward, Chara Bergeron, uh, Pastor, I'm not worried about Pasternak, but the older players, then you see if you can re-sign Krug. The only thing is I know he does want to cash in completely. If he can take a discount, then by all means. But even then, like Boston could definitely benefit by being worse and getting better draft picks. You look at who's graduated from their minor affiliates in the last couple of years. You have Andres Bjork, Jeremy Lozon, and Carson Kuhlman. Nothing great. And even in the system, you have Jakobs Borrell, Jakobs Borrell and Zach Senishin, who are both 23, 24 years old. Um, in the pipeline, looking at their cap-friendly page, um, Brandon Carlos, fine. He's still only, he's only 23, but they don't really have anyone who can really push the pace offensively that we know of yet. So I definitely think if you miss out on Krug, and it kind of helps you secure a, a better pick. Might as well do that um, because I think Pasternak and Bergeron can still play for much longer. Marshawn as well. So I would definitely end up picking DeBrusque. I think, like you said perfectly, Nick, he definitely is fits that mold of what the Boston Bruins are. 19 goals on the season. Uh, solid middle six winger. I think it's a fantastic thing to, to keep him and definitely look on from or look to move on um, from Tory Krug. And I feel like a lot of people um, are kind of – they're kind of timing out that that the perfection line, all three of them, aside from maybe Pasternak. But I, I don't see that at all. Like I, I really think Bergeron and Marchand have a lot to offer for, for a while to come. I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider the post Bergeron era quite yet. I, I think. No, I'm not. I'm not thinking. No, I'm, I'm not, not saying not, you are. I'm just yeah. saying that's kind of a general. 
idea that's starting to that's starting to pop up all over yeah, the place. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Pasternak is still signed 6.6 mil before he's a UFA in 2023. Uh, Marshawn is signed until 2025. Um, I'm not worried about those three. It's what management thinks, unless they can acquire better assets via trade. Looking at their prospect pipeline, looking at especially on defense, you miss out on McAvoy or uh, Krug. Sorry, you have to re-sign Mac- McAvoy in 2022 things are fine defensively. They're not great defensively. So it depends how much more in the next couple of years that first line can carry them because I'm not overly impressed with, with the defensive makeup. So it really depends on what they see. I'm not worried about the post uh, Bergeron era whatsoever. I still think they have a lot to give, but um, it just depends on what management sees, but yeah. Yeah. The one thing you got to look at with the Boston Bruins too, is this team has not won a cup now since 2011. They have not for all the praise that, their management group and their team has gotten over the past few years, especially with that perfection line. They have not won a cup with this group. They have not won one since the old core, which again, Bergeron and Marchand were big parts of, but under what they are right now, they have, they have yet to be very, very successful in the playoffs, despite coming a game uh, within a game of the Stanley cup last year. So obviously it's a tough question. Whereas DeBrust is maybe somebody that you're looking to, while provide now be a part of the team's future whereas Krug would definitely help the team more in the short short term but you know long term he probably doesn't make much sense and Boston already this year really I, I would say fell flat after the NHL's restart and secondary scoring was a large problem and they're not getting enough of it with Jake DeBrusque in that forward core so subtracting him would do a bit more damage either way. Boston, I think is going to be a little bit worse next year than they have been the past few years. They're going to need to take some sort of a step back and unearth somebody from either their minor league team or find an absolute bargain out on the market via trade, via free agency, because I, it's a tough situation with this team right now. Yeah. I, I, it's, there's nothing wrong with taking a step back. I think that's the, that's the misconception is people look at a core and they think that they have to win for this many years in this given amount of time. And Boston would definitely benefit from doing that. Like I said, like in the prospect pool, it's not, it's fine. Obviously the, the most notable one, Jack said Nika, the forward, but um, I think it'd be a great thing if they took a step back. All right. So that is uh, that is our referendum on the Boston Bruins, obviously going to be a team to watch. Perhaps this is now maybe time for Toronto and Tampa Bay to really take hold of that division because, you know, Boston for what we've just said, all these struggles, all these negative things, they've still been the powerhouse of that division now for a long time. So we will now go to a topic that I'm sure is going to interest one Luke Burroughs, the Vancouver Canucks. Again, another team did very well in the playoffs this year, surprised a lot of people within one game of the Western Conference Finals. Vancouver was fun to watch this year. Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, obviously the bright young stars of that team, but they, despite their young talent and their reasonable amount of success this year, they are already in a bit of cap trouble, unlike other younger teams and dynasties we've seen of the past. So I will pose a question about the Vancouver Canucks to you gentlemen. Would you pay assets assets being younger players or decently high draft picks to move Louis Erickson and Jay Beagle's contracts, one or both, or would you simply move 
a roster player like a Jake Vertanen or the surprisingly rumored Brock Besser. Now, keep in mind, this would free up some money to perhaps take a go at re-signing Tyler Toffoli if that's the avenue they want to go. Jacob Markstrom is also coming up on the market, as is Chris Tanev, and Elias Pettersson and Jack he- or sorry, Quinn Hughes, actually, <laughs> are uh, eventually going to be restricted free agents in the one- to two-year range. So I'll start with Luke again. What are you doing if you're Jim Benning? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of cheat here. And I, I really, I, I think a mix of both, a mix of both those options. So let me just say, like, let's all remember the kind of contract Brock Besser is on right now. I, that is a very good contract. If you ask me, I know it's, that means it's very appealing, but for a team like Vancouver, if you can get that, I think you hold on to that, but that's not even why I say, that's not even the main reason I say leave Besser where he is. I say, <clears throat> between the two options of of Erickson and Beagle or a young asset or a draft pick. There, like we said yesterday, uh Jake Vertanen, and like we've said every other year, Jake Vertanen probably isn't long for the Vancouver Canucks anymore. I think um take take what you can with with the kind of player he is. I, I don't think it's any secret. Um some of the some of the less than appealing aspects of the player he is. Um, but I, I really think if you can if you can move Vertanen and Erickson out, let's for the simplicity of what we're talking about, let's say in the same deal, if you can move Vertanen and Erickson out for whatever, I say you do it. Um, and I'm being very specific here. I'm not saying a player like Vertanen. Uh, or a player. I mean, I, I also, I'd say Beagle too. Beagle's probably more doable. Um, I'd also be happy seeing him go, but I, but then you, you hear a lot of stuff about Beagle specifically um, the kind of player he is off the ice. I think he has a bit more uh, reputation there than Erickson does, even though us as fans, we don't really see that, but I really think if you can, if you can package one of those anchors that, that Jim Benning has created and and use the 18 goals Jake Vertanen can offer probably more and give him give him that fresh start that he has needed for so many years but for some reason isn't getting um it's it's probably a lot to ask that's that's like a very perfect scenario um but I I think I think if you can some somehow package Vertanen and and one of those heavy contracts together and just whatever the return is the return is losing that that contract i'd be extremely happy with that yeah i I think vertanen is someone we talked about it on yesterday's show someone who might have the name value but the way he's been talked about especially by jim benning um about not impressing them it's a really awkward situation to be in because they don't seem to enjoy uh vertanen the person or the player and they've sort of put him down as almost a nuisance to this team, even though he, he does do good things offensively. Like you said, 18 goals. Um, I would agree with you. I would be wary if I were the Vancouver Canucks on moving younger talent. Um, we already saw earlier this year, um, Tim Schaller or not uh, Tyler Madden moved. Um, you have all you Levy who some people are already considering a bust. Um, I think Hogland played a playoff both. game though. So. Yep. He did. Um, but looking back, that draft was what? 2016. Uh, you have Hoglander and Pocolson. Pocolson, a player who 
we know uh, we've talked about plenty in our friend group who seems people who seem to be split on um, Hoglander looked fine today in the SHL preseason, but I would be wary about moving off young assets, but I think I would have to agree with Luke completely. Definitely see if you can find someone uh, for Vertanen. When you someone, say that, do you mean Vertanen as a young asset? Well, yeah, Vertanen's only, how old is he? Okay. Um, like 24. I think he's still relatively young and I think a, a team can definitely, I don't know how much you'd get for Vertanen. Uh, but, and then you look at someone like Chris Tanev, look, I understand Chris Tanev. I think he's a UFA and from what I've seen, he likes it in Vancouver. I think you could re-sign him for relatively cheap. He's fine defensively. Um, the media's obsession with his sort of defensive, defensive play, uh, seems to be a bit exaggerated. He's fine defensively, but, um, but does a player like that, is he able to command more on the market because of that perceived value? Right. Like that's, that's the, the thing question. you've got to keep in mind, right? I'm sure there's a few GMs out there that see the same thing as some of the media members do and maybe perhaps overvalue him. And it's going to create a situation where Vancouver simply can't afford to keep him. I and think, it, are they ready to throw an Oli Uolevi or uh Bogan Rafferty into a situation next year where they're going to have to play a bunch of NHL minutes? That it's a tough question. I think it's awkward. I definitely, I don't think Toffoli is going to resign. I think obviously what we talked about earlier, that's sort of a base thing to say. Um, you have to identify the core. You have to pick one out of Besser and Toffoli because I don't think it can be both whatsoever. I don't see, um, I know Edler's a UFA in 2021. Um, you have Jordy Ben off the books next year. It's kind of an awkward situation, but I definitely think um, they're going to look to move someone like Tanev, someone like Vertanen, um, but it's, it's an awkward situation for Vancouver. But I would definitely look to move uh, for Tannen to start. Luke, any more on your Vancouver Canucks? Not really. I mean, like like Pat said about Toffoli, like Toffoli's a really interesting case because he's undoubtedly a good player. It's not that someone like him needs to prove himself. Um, not to say Besser does either. I think some people still think Besser, like after his rookie season, he's kind of wavered. I totally disagree with that. But to full, like, it's really unfortunate what was given up for him, especially when everyone knew he was on an expiring deal. So it's that was a bit questionable. But I really think, and I, I would assume Jim Benning would come to this conclusion as well. You just kind of have to bite the bullet on that one. And there's no way you can envision to fully fitting into this to this team anywhere it just it doesn't make sense for so many reasons and i don't i'd I'd like to not think that will be a question for benning um it it might be knowing him but i i i honestly think that should be a pretty easy decision to make all right so if there's nothing else to add on to the vancouver canucks we can move on we've got four more teams to go some more interesting discussions hop on over to the Pittsburgh Penguins, another Eastern Conference team. Like Vancouver, they are totally binded by some mediocre contracts that are probably being regretted right about now, uh, similar to what Jim Benning has given out. Jim Rutherford has botched, to say, a few of his uh, contract negotiations recently. Obviously, Jack Johnson is the main whipping boy for Pittsburgh's lack of success over the past couple of years. Look, there's a lot of great things we can say about the Pittsburgh Penguins. We could do a whole hour show on that. The Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin era has given Pittsburgh fans and the National Hockey League so much. Three Stanley Cups already. And 
arguably they probably should have won a couple of more either in between the first and second Stanley cup, or they probably should have had a better shot last year or this year at the Stanley cup, but ultimately fell flat as we know this year to the Montreal Canadians. So I will throw the question over to you guys. Would you, if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, pay assets like Vancouver, I suggested, to move Jack Johnson, or would you simply move a roster player like Chris Letang? Now, one thing to keep in mind here, The Athletic and Corey Pronman recently ranked all NHL organizations and their under-23 talent, and the Pittsburgh Penguins were ranked 30th out of 31 teams. So they don't have a lot on the table to offer anybody. But what they do have, giving that away to move a contract like Jack Johnson would strip them down even further and even more damn the future of this team. So, Pat, I'll start with you. What should the Pittsburgh Penguins do here in this situation? And what should they do this offseason? Again, similar to Vancouver, Rutherford kind of put himself in a situation where he probably doesn't want to pay more assets, younger assets to move on from an albatross of a contract like Jack Johnson or something like that. You already lost Philip Hollander. You lost um, Kalen Addison last year uh, in the trade, in the Galchenyuk trade. It's a really awkward situation. You don't have a first round pick this year or next year. You lost your second round pick this year. Do you really want to move someone like a Samuel Poulain just to rid yourself of a contract? Look, I know Jack Johnson's not that, bad or not that good sorry but 3.25 three more years can you stomach it a little bit longer i'm not suggesting they move chris letang but maybe moving him help get some younger assets a desperate team uh obviously not desperate team but any team would be happy to have chris letang with them um maybe it's a hot take but i definitely look to to move chris letang recoup some of those younger assets get more picks get a better prospect pool it was decent about a year and a half ago then they already got rid of two of the three other top guys um that would be my move i don't know if that's a hot take we haven't had one of those in a while but um i would definitely look at moving chris letang i think again i think this core i think crosby and malkin have more to give this year was weird uh probably because montreal played so well but i think it's probably right that's it's a weird situation explanation for everything Their top six is fine. Look, Gensel signed on a fantastic deal for four more years. He's 25. Zucker's 28. Um, I still think Hornquist is solid. Um, I think the top six is fine. I'm not worried about their forwards. Kapanen will help in the in the middle six. Um, but defensively, get some cap space, get some younger players, and, and recoup and uh, move on from Chris Letang. Before I let Luke have thoughts on this, I'll just elaborate on one point you made here, Patrick. That is the key in this one and in the Vancouver hypothetical that I posed. When you're trading that these roster players, the actual good roster players, you're going to get back good assets if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, whether that be in the currency of picks and prospects or perhaps a younger forward or something like that. There are teams that are going to want a player like Chris Letang in this situation, and they will pay a pretty penny for him. So while you are not adding exactly much more strength to your roster when you're trading away a player like Chris Letang, you're going to get something good back for him, be it now or in the future. Whereas you're simply just stripping the future to get rid of a contract like Jack Johnson's. Obviously Pittsburgh is going to try and win every single year that they have Crosby and Malkin. They have the right to do it, but how much more can they afford to risk the future? We'll I will add you. Yeah. I'll oh, add one sorry, more thing Pat first. That's okay. Just about um, 
I don't want to compare Jack Johnson to Chris Tanev, and that's not what I'm doing. The, the, but the perceived value of someone's defensive play, again, Nick, we talk about it endlessly. Uh, old hockey men who think those types of players are solid. Um, we saw at the year-end presser, Jim Rutherford had nothing but praise for Jack Johnson and his solid, stellar defensive play. I think um, if someone wants to pay for Jack Johnson, that could happen. But like you said, taking a step back, same thing we said for Boston, same thing we said for Vancouver. Um, again, although Vancouver still has more prospects within their system or better prospects than their system, I would say. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to interrupt right now because very appropriate that we're on the tie, uh, the topic of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, actually, according to Michael Russo, who writes for the Minnesota Wild in The Athletic, it appears they have just dealt Nick Bugstad to the Minnesota Wild. The Pittsburgh Penguins trade Nick Bugstad to Minnesota. Looks like it could be a conditional draft pick heading the other way. I'm not sure off the top of my head what Bugstad's contract looks like, but He's perhaps 4.1 already... UFA next year. Okay. So again, that's a move that makes a lot of sense for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It looks like on the surface because like we're posing here, the whole idea for them is to get rid of some cap space so that they can look to add to this roster uh, that already has Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin on it. Luke, I will finally throw it over to you to get some of your thoughts on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, we've got, we had a few interruptions right there, but I mean, this hypothetical might not mean anything anymore, but uh, let's, we'll keep with it. What would you do? Would you pay asses to get rid of Jack Johnson or would you simply trade away somebody like Chris Letang? Uh, if I could do neither, I would do neither. Um, especially after the news of two minutes ago, but I agree with Pat on a lot of points, but I also don't, I think I agree in the sense that if you can just, just, stomach uh jack johnson until until he's gone just just deal with it i like it's not ideal but but what you'd have to what you what you'd have to do to move him out i just don't think it's worth it especially for the pittsburgh penguins and i i also to disagree with patrick i don't see any reason to move chris letang um like you said nick obviously giving up a roster player especially a roster player like chris letang you're gonna get back um you're going to get back some, some future worth, but I just, I, I don't see a necessity for that. Um, I think Pittsburgh made a pretty interesting statement by acquiring, uh, by acquiring Kapanen in, in the Toronto trade. I, I, what, what that means for Pittsburgh's next few years is, is, I mean, but I guess with, with a team that has Crosby and Malkin, you can't, you can't really say we're we're gonna we're gonna kind of tone things down here, but we're we're keeping you know Crosby and Malkin in the lineup. Um, it's they're they're kind they're they're not in a bad situation, I would say, but they're definitely in an interesting situation. And this this Bukestad trade adds a, a level to it. It it kind of clears it up a bit. Um, it's kind of a roundabout way way to to solve their problem a bit, but it works. So I, I think that's good, but to answer your question, ideally, I would say neither. Uh, I just, I don't think there's, it. I don't think it's worth it to move Jackson. I don't think there's necessity to move. Uh, well, so it looks like it is a trade for a seventh uh, conditional seventh round pick. So just a pure salary dump on Pittsburgh's yeah. part. I think that's solid move. I think that's a good one for Jim Rutherford, something he needed to do. So obviously Pittsburgh, uh, Perhaps Jim Rutherford was listening to the show, and as soon as we got onto the topic of the Pittsburgh Penguins, decided, wow, I better flip 
some bad contracts. Okay. Uh, I think we've got 10 minutes left in the show here and we got three more teams to go. So we'll go a couple of quick ones here. I don't think these ones are going to generate much Nashville predators. Would you look at this off season into buying out Matt Duchesne or Ryan Johansson? Both of those players are centermen. They are good centermen. They have shown glimpses of being elite talents in the past, both making North of $8 million, but the Nashville predators and for all the praise that everybody is hyped on, or has dumped on David Poyle over, you know, the past five years when Nashville has been really good, they fell flat, really, really flat this year. And they look perhaps behind the pace and they're starting to fall behind uh, the Colorado Avalanche, St. Louis Blues and the Dallas Stars in their own division. What direction does Nashville need to head in? Do you look at buying out one of these contracts, especially one like Duchesne's that they just signed on July 1st? Pat, quickly. My first answer would be no. I wouldn't buy out either of them. Look, Nashville's a team, especially this year, that was extremely unlucky. I still think they're a really solid team, especially down the middle. Ryan Johansson, I think, is a little bit overrated looking at his numbers. He generated very, very, very little offensively looking at his heat map uh, from Hockey Viz. Um, He struggled immensely there. I still think they're fine players. I think if you have... uh, Johansson, or Johansson, Duchesne, Tourist down the middle, Nick Benino as well. Um, their defense is still solid. I wouldn't look to strip either of them away. Um, but if I had to pick one, I would probably go Johansson because Duchesne um, played really solid hockey. Obviously didn't show up as much as people would have liked on the score sheet, but um, Johansson's a year younger. Uh, he signed one less year than Matt Duchesne. I would look at moving him or buying him out before, it, uh, before Duchesne. Luke? I would agree with Pat for the same reasons, but like they're, they're both such similar players in such similar situations. Um, like their age, their term, their production, it's all, it's all very, very close. So, I mean, either or, but just again, for the reasons Pat said, I would, I would probably hang on to Duchesne. I just, I think he, he kind of has that edge and he's, he's kind of proved it. Like just, I think, Two years ago in Ottawa, he had a pretty good, a really good year. Really good year. Um, and not, not to say, not neither of them are bad players at all. But I just, I, if I had to pick one, I'd say Duchesne has that edge. But again, very similar situations. It's, it's almost eerie looking at their DB and cap friendly page. And I'll just say quickly. Uh, so Ryan Johansson's buyout would cost Nashville two point six 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 million from now until the 2029-30 season, whereas Matt Duchesne's would be a little more front-loaded, $6 million this year, $5 million the next, uh, $3 million the year after, and then $1.4 million all the way until the 2031-32 season. So Matt Duchesne would cost a bit more now, but uh, be a bit easier in the future, but both obviously not in an ideal situation. So... I will turn it over and Pat, do you have something quick? Yeah, just real quick. I think it sort of goes against the commitment of David Poyle to win right now. You saw Roman Yossi signed uh, very long-term at his $9 million deal. You still have Ellis, who is one of the more underrated defense in the league at six mil. You have these three centers. No, they're n- none of them are probably a bona fide top one C, but having those four down the middle, you have awesome scoring from Victor Arvidsson. Um, 
Colton Sissons is on a little bit of a weird deal at two point mil or 2.8 mil till 2026. But I think this team is fine. I think they just took a couple awkward steps back. Um, unlucky shooting wise. I do think they can put up more offense. I w- I'm not worried about the Nashville Predators and I think they'll be fine. Okay. I'm going to end this discussion on one last team. We're going to talk about uh, the obvious favorite team to talk about on this show, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know how excited we all get when, a topic surrounding them comes up, but again, a team that is facing some really interesting conversations this off season. They already look to address some of it when they dealt Casper Kapanen to the Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously bringing in a lot of draft picks and prospects with that deal. Really good deal for Kyle Dubas on the surface, but probably still some more to do for Kyle Dubas this off season. I think we can all agree Toronto, obviously, again, like so many of the teams that we've talked about in this discussion, fell flat in the playoffs for what feels like the millionth year in a row. They lost the Columbus Blue Jackets in the playing qualifier in five games. Toronto Maple Leafs, I will pose the hypothetical question to you guys. Obviously, everybody and their grandmother knows that the Toronto Maple Leafs need to upgrade their defense. It's been said for a long time. It's, it's like beating a dead horse. Everybody knows it. Would you guys look at trading roster players like Andreas Janssen and Alex Kerfoot? Maybe both if it meant you could free up the cap to sign a player like Alex Petrangelo. Alex Petrangelo is going to command a massive deal on the market. We know how many massive deals Toronto already has on their books. Alex Petrangelo probably going to cost mm, somewhere in the seven-year range north of $9 million, according to Evolving Wild if he hits the open market. What, is this something you guys would look at for Toronto? They've made a big splash in the past with John Tavares. Could they bring another boy home, Patrick? Uh, yeah, I mean, looking earlier, the outlook for Toronto was one of the two that will be moved would be Janssen or Kapanen. Obviously, we saw Kapanen go to Pittsburgh. Um, Janssen's a guy I really like. Still young. He's on a fantastic deal, which makes that sort of that cap hit really appealing to other teams. He had over north of 40 points, I think, two seasons ago. He's a really appealing player um, that I definitely think teams would like. Um, Again, defense, it's Toronto's biggest weakness. We've talked about it endlessly. They made good strides this year getting uh, Miko Lettinen um, in their system. It's fine. They're not – I don't think they're as hard-pressed as other teams. I still think they have a solid amount of prospect, Nick Robertson, um, the other one. But I would do it. It just really depends. Uh, It really depends on – what Dubas is thinking. I think he's finally learned his lesson. I hope he finally learned his lesson that um, what they have now isn't good enough. Obviously you have CC off the books. You have um, Tyson Berry, who I don't think will be coming back. Um, Sandine, Miko Lettinen was a great pick, but we'll see what happens. But if I'm Toronto, I'm absolutely doing that because you can't have such a top heavy team without the support defensively. Luke. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, and I'll, I'll use like in, if in, in regards to the exact example you pose there, if that's what it takes to to acquire a defenseman like that, absolutely. If 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 though if you lose those two roster players, um, in in that transaction, definitely do it. I I don't know, I don't know the Leafs that well. I'm sorry, I I don't know how that would work out, but it, there's no question. Like we keep reiterating that Toronto needs help on their defense and. I, it might just be media hype, but I, I, I think a move like that would, 
would be the would be the most ideal thing for Toronto right now. They they don't really need help uh, now with their well. Well, they do definitely need a quality defenseman. Does it in this specific case? And I'm sure we'll talk more and more about this in the future with free agency. Does it make sense to add years 31 to 38 of Alex Petrangelo? Yeah, like, yeah. I think obviously, I think it would solidify their window of winning now. Petrangelo doesn't yeah, look 33, yeah. in my opinion. It would solidify that. I think there's he's a little. 30. Oh, he's 30. 30 right now. I think there's January. a little bit of. I don't say hysteria, but a lot of Leafs fans seem to think that what they have is fine. That you can ride Muzzin and Riley, and that Sandine is going to be sort of the panacea for this team. I think you definitely need a lot more help and Petrangelo. If it's a long-term deal, by all means, that solidifies it. And then that way you have um, money tied up into a team that has uh, great players in all positions. We'll see what happens with Frederick Anderson, but defensively that would be really hard to stop. And with their forwards, of course. Well, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's something we're going to talk about in a free agency episode. And now that we know that that is coming up in October, I'm sure it's something we're going to talk about in the future. So Pat, I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, so we, um, as always, now that's our second show with Barnburner. We are live Thursday, 3 to 5, Friday, 7 to 8, every single week. Uh, Nick Robinson, my name is Patrick Talon, and then there is Luke Burrows as well. Drop your handles real quick. Yeah, Nikos Robinson, N-I-K-O-S Robinson on Twitter. At the Luke Burrows. Uh, and mine is uh, Patrick Talon, 81. Reminder to everyone, the show can be heard on Barnburner Radio Network on its 122 platforms. Check out all of it on barnburner.ca for all the news and updates, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.